excited to be doing this. <sighs> I just want to just give a bit of background. Um, I don't know if you remember <laughs> in the early 2000s, Eric Benet and Halle Berry, they were married. Then one day you hear they're getting divorced. Why? Then you hear about the issues that they're having in marriage. And for me, I just stopped and thought to myself, how is it that the most beautiful woman in the world at that time, arguably, had a failed marriage? It just didn't make sense to me. So, you know, I, I started looking at marriage, researching on marriage, reading up on marriage. And like Lady Chipo said, you know, when you're a little girl, it's all about the wedding, you design your dress in your head by the time you're five, etc. And I was one of those little girls. I wanted that big wedding. But then as time went on and I looked at marriages that were <laughs> falling apart around me, whether it's family, friends, it really got me thinking about what does it take to have a successful marriage. The wedding day is but one day. The marriage is meant to last until death. Amen. So what is it about the day after the wedding until you die that needs to be done in order for you to have a successful marriage? So it's something, it's knowledge I started pursuing way back then. I mean, my friends got married before me. I was a bridesmaid at every wedding, maid of honor at some weddings. Then there was a lull. There were no more weddings. <laughs> and I still wasn't married. <laughs> Then eventually I got married, and I got married when I was ready, um, and I think mature enough for the task at hand. So uh, one of the things I learned when I was working, when I was still in corporate, and I actually used to sit ne next to Lady Chipo. So Lady Chipo and I went to the same high school. We were in the athletics team together. We went to the same university. Then I eventually joined uh, Barclays Africa. Uh, it was called that at the time. And we sat next to each other, but we were in different departments. But somehow it worked out that way. <laughs> I couldn't leave her alone. <laughs> so when I was working at the bank, they used to take performance management really seriously. And when it was time for your review or setting objectives, your manager had to define what success looks like. And then would you be measured against that because you've been told what success looks like. So as you work towards your objectives, you know what the end picture is meant to look like. So I thought I'd start there in terms of our topic, essentials for a healthy marriage. What picture um, do I see when I think of a successful, healthy marriage? There are about nine points. So first of all, stability, a strong foundation in Christ. Then number two, that strong bond, that glue that holds your marriage together. And that is your commitment, your fidelity, your faithfulness to each other. Then the third thing, is there joy and contentment in your marriage? Number four, intimacy. And that is really the heart of the relationship. Physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual closeness that is mutually satisfying. Number five, trust and honesty. This sits at the core of the relationship. Without that, the relationship will crumble. Number six, upholding your vows keeping the promises that you made to each other when you said I do. Number seven, supportiveness, the caregiving within the marriage, helping each other through life's lessons. Are you there for each other? Are you supporting? Are you caring for each other? Number eight, keeping connected, the um, effective communication. And if my husband gets time, he's supposed to touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then number nine, peace, no abuse. No emotional abuse, yeah. no verbal abuse, That's no it. physical abuse, yeah. non-violent interactions within the marriage. So if you grew up in an abusive family, where it could have actually been your mom that was hitting your father, and it, it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. It's not, it's not normal, and you shouldn't desire that for your marriage. So it seems like a long list. But one thing when it comes to God, those things that are impossible for us to do in our humanly flesh, they're possible for God. So let's start with the basics. Get the basics right in your marriage. So for the singles, take down lots of notes because you have the opportunity to start off on the correct footing. And for those who are married, uh, for those who are married, if you're having issues, this is a chance to have a look at are these things in place? 
uh, for a start. So keep God first. Invite God into your marriage. If we could just put Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 um, in the NLT version. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And when he speaks of three, the third person is God, not a small house. (laughs) So uh, this passage illustrates the importance of Christian companionship and it shows you how it's even stronger when God is involved. That's the third element in your marriage. It's actually not uncommon to find at weddings um, these days that couples are now doing um, what they call God's knot. Um, It's a ceremony where the bride and groom braid a cord of three uh, strands together. And that is their public proclamation to family and friends and those gathered at the wedding that it's not just the two of us. God is in this with us. Another demonstration for the role that God plays as a third member of your marriage is the marriage triangle, if we could just put it up. And God is at the top of the triangle and the husband and wife sit at the base. And you see that's actually the furthest distance, right? And this shows us that as each one of them gets closer to God, the distance between them decreases, decreases, decreases. So what are these things that one can do in marriage to move up the triangle? The first one is praying together. Make a habit of setting aside time to pray together. It builds spiritual intimacy between you. So if it's five minutes in the morning or five minutes at the end of the day, take that time, pray together. You'll actually realize that you enjoy that time. And soon you're looking for 10 minutes, you're looking for 15 minutes, might ramp up to an hour a day um, as you enjoy that spiritual intimacy. Pray for one another. You know, the word of God tells us that we have the power to speak life or death. Speak life over your spouse. Bless them. Bless the work of their hands. Bless the things that they're pursuing. Pray for one another fervently. Then you can additionally read and study the Bible together. So for those who are young in the faith, um, you can choose biblical themes to study together. And bring your personal revelations to each other. Ask each other questions. There are certain areas my husband may know have more knowledge on, and I ask him. And there are certain areas I may have more knowledge on, and he'll ask me, and we share the revelations. The other thing that it also helps in is it helps you to adopt and understand the same doctrines and have the same faith beliefs. So we know that in Matthew 12, 25, it talks about a house divided against itself will not stand. It is unfortunate, but it does happen that you will have two people in a marriage with two different faith beliefs. And the moment you get to a situation where you have to exercise your beliefs, there's now a clash. So for example, your child could be really ill. The one spouse wants to invite the pastors to come and pray. The other spouse wants to, you know, go to a sangoma and get medication or whatever it is. And now you're at loggerheads because you're now pursuing two different strategies. So, you know, it really helps if you have the same faith beliefs. Um, Then the last one is do what the Bible says. It's one thing to pray. It's one thing to read. But then also do what the Bible says. You know, Joshua 1 verse 8 tells us this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but it shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Reading the Bible is only one part of the equation, but getting understanding, then applying the knowledge will produce results. In this instance, the results that you want are good success not bad success, and Pastor Tafara has preached about what bad success can look like in a marriage. But we want good success. We want healthy marriages. We want obedient and good children. We want successful families. So do what the Bible says in addition. Uh, Then the second point 
um, that I'm going to speak about is you need to recognize that you are one. You're a team. You're one unit. The day you say I do, or the day your family releases you to your husband after Lobola, you are now one. There's no more me, mine, my. It really should be ours, us. In Genesis 2.24, it tells us, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What does this mean? It means the hierarchy, especially of your earthly relationships, changes. God remains first. He al he's always first. But then now, it's each other. Then when you have children, it's your children. Then your family, ministry, career, business, they follow on. If we look at um, team sports, where two or more uh, you know, people comprise the team, you realize that there isn't one person that's greater than another. In fact, actually, if there's an arrogant, big-headed player, that team usually falls into challenges, right? So each member has a role to play, and if there's a member missing, or a member not fully fulfilling their role, you're then open to defeat, you're open to challenges. So it goes the same in marriage. You are a team. Yeah. You are one unit. You are equal before God, but with different roles. And we'll look at this a bit later. So what are the things that you can do to build your team, your unit? And what are the things to avoid to not destroy your team or unit? First of all, and I think it's important to note this one as the, uh, the first one, is fight fair. Yeah. So I gave an example in the previous sermon, and this is uh, this actually really happened. It's it's gonna sound extreme, but it actually happened. Um, one morning I get to work. It's eight o'clock, and between seven thirty and eight, as I was driving to work, my boss has been sending multiple emails. I get in there, I'm frazzled. I need to attend to this and that, and I feel the presence of someone invading my private space. <laughs> so I look up, and I'll stand aside, and I. One of my colleagues is standing there, he's like, and uh, he's a man, he's like, do you have something for this? And he shows me his nails. His nails have been painted red. <laughs> <laughs> so I ask him what happened. And he says, oh no, my daughter last night, she was painting her nails. And she asked, Daddy, please can I paint your nails? And I said yes, because I thought her mother had nail polish removed. He gave me some story. Turns out, in the morning, as he was getting ready, his wife said, I don't have nail polish remover. So she sent him to work with red nails. <laughs> so I pointed him towards, it was a lady I'd seen who had once removed her uh, nail polish at work, and I said, you know, she might have nail polish remover in her drawer, maybe ask her. I forgot about him, I went on with my day. At the end of the day, I saw him, and I asked him, oh, did you come right with your nails? And he showed me, and he had actually tried to now scratch it off because no one had nail polish remover, and he was in meetings from eight to five. Oh so he spent the day <laughs> with nail polish on his fingernails. So he says, no, I, I couldn't. And I said, you know what? On your way home, just pass through a pharmacy, get some nail polish remover. And then as he was about to step away, I said, next time, whatever you did to your wife to upset her, don't do it again. <laughs> and he sheepishly laughed because he had obviously figured that I figured out what had happened. It wasn't his daughter. His wife had painted his uh, fingernails and sent him to work with red nail polish. <laughs> so... Ladies, we can't be doing this. <laughs> we need to fight fair in marriage. Don't hit below the belt. You know the things that are going to really cut your spouse to the core. Don't say it or don't do those things. You know, words, once they've been said, it's very hard to take them back. And painful, hurtful words will be imprinted on your spouse's mind and heart. So avoid that. The other thing is, winning an argument or fight doesn't always build. Being right won't always build. There are times where you just have to take a step back and be like, okay, it's, it's fine. You go ahead. If you think this is the right thing to do, you know what? You go ahead and you keep quiet. It's happened in our relationship a couple of times. And 
you know what? Eventually, the person who was brainwashed will come back and say, you know what? You were right. So when you're in an argument and it's a win-lose, you're going to win, they're going to lose, it's a total loss for the team. The only situation where you both win is a win-win. So sometimes you just have to take a step back, calm yourself down, let the cookie crumble, and then, you know, they'll come back to you and, you know, you, you learn, you get to learn each other and you will respect each other's perspectives and viewpoints. And you'll see that in time you won't be, you won't get to a situation where they don't listen to you anymore. They will listen to your perspective. Right. And then defend each other. Yeah. You may find um, a family member or a friend, a colleague or someone may come up to you with some accusation with regards to your spouse. Defend, defend, defend. Mm -hmm. You don't throw your spouse under the bus. Yeah. You defend them. I tell them, man, that's impossible. My husband, <laughs> man, no, knowing fully well that, Ish, this sounds like <laughs> Tina shit. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you say this? But you'd be like, ah, no, no, no. I, I think you're, you're mistaken, either you misunderstood or no, no. You defend them and deny. Then, only when you're alone, you can address, but why did you do this? Have, can't you see this is what has now happened, etc. Maybe the next time you're in this situation, deal with it in this way. You know that this person is like that, and then if you say that, it's going to end up being a big issue. You discuss it when you're alone. But before, your family, friends, whoever it is, you defend your spouse. Mm -hmm. Then be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Lady Chifo touched on it, but I thought it was important to also emphasize it, uh, emphasize on this this week. Be each other's biggest supporters. Take an interest in your spouse's likes and support them. You know, my husband loves soccer, and sometimes I think soccer and I like this. <laughs> um, but he loves soccer. So once in a while, I'll be like, oh, let me watch a game with you. He doesn't like me watching games with him because he says I make his team lose. <laughs> so often I'm off the hook for that. <laughs> right? But when it comes to supporting your spouse, you don't have to go all out. I mean, if you can and you have the energy and desire to, you can go all out. You know, get the balloons, the banner, the pom-poms, the confetti. But it, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. It's just even your words of encouragement to your spouse can be supportive, you know, as a wife, you can say, hey, babe, you know, I see you. Yeah. I see you working hard. I see what you're doing for us. And I appreciate you. And I love you. Uh, that man had um, organized to go out with the boys that afternoon. He'll be home. Yeah. Yeah. He ain't going nowhere. Yeah. He'll feel very loved and be like, no, I just want to spend some time with my wife, you know. Yeah. <laughs> then another important one, because this happens so often, so quickly, and can get out of hand so fast, is offense. Yeah. Give no place to offense in your marriage. Literally, don't go to bed if you guys have had a heated argument and you just haven't resolved the issue. Don't go to bed on an argument. One, it builds a rift. And a rift in a marriage means that you're now descending the triangle instead of ascending, right? Um, so it'll build a rift in, in, in your marriage. And, you know, the source of a lot of offense in marriage is actually unresolved conflict. So yeah. you've gone to bed too many times without resolving things. And careless words. Be careful with your words. Let's use our words to build each other, yeah, not to good. destroy each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So in life, there are things that are not within our control. Offense is one of them. People will offend you, family, friends, your spouse even. But what is within your control is how you react to the offense. What you choose to do. Are you going to take on the offense? Or are you going to leave it alone and love that person through the offense? You know, Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Overlook offense. Don't carry offense personally in your life, and certainly don't carry offense 
that baggage in your marriage. Um, then the other thing is, remember that you are equals, but have different roles. And there were questions that were asked with regards to this. So the first question was, um, if gender roles are still relevant, and the second question was, should a man expect his wife to cook or be in charge of cleanliness and other aspects of the household? Should husbands expect this from their wives as women expect their husbands to be providers? I think the best way to answer this is to just look at what the word of God says. In Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 29, if we could put it up, I'm going to read from the screen. Uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So the defined role for husbands is as the head of the house. And the instruction given to husbands is to love your wives. The emphasis to wives is to submit to your own husband. I, I can't lay down the law for you in your home. You have to do what works for you. But ultimately, you need to remember that the husband is the head of the house and he has the final say. So this kind of grades women, especially us independent women, it grades us a lot. But guess what? You chose that man. You dated him. You had the opportunity to not get to I do. But you chose the man. So for those who are still single, you have the advantage now. Choose wisely. The man that is worthy of you submitting to. Don't cry foul after the fact. Right. Husbands and men. When you were dating this lady and your apartment was cleaner than hers. And then you still got down on your knee and proposed. You knew what you were getting yourself into. Don't now start to try to turn her into your mother. If your mother was a wonder in the home, everything was shining from top to bottom, that was your mother. That is not your wife. It, it may not be her strength, and it, it does happen. So you need to decide on roles actually based on strengths. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what each of you are good at. Because when you come together, you come in with your strengths, you also come in with your weaknesses. And you have the opportunity to help each other with weaknesses and use your strengths to really solidify the marriage. Mm. Right. So forcing someone to do a thing that is not their strength will have both of you frustrated. You know, first of all, they feel like they're a failure consistently, and then you just feel let down all the time. So when you choose the roles within the household, be wise about it. You know, a winning team is one with a winning formula and strategy, each member playing to their strengths. I'll now hand over to my husband for his insights. <laughs> Good word. Good word, good word. We finally got to me. <laughs> At least I'll share a thing or two. <laughs> okay, it's our house, but we all know it's her house, right? So for those guys who are out there, and hey, but there are lots of laptop people here. Uh, people who work with spinners, don't bring your spinners in the house. They can't be in the house. It's her house. She can buy... A where stuff for cheap for the kitchen and stuff, they're in the house. Yours outside. <laughs> yeah? Those are some of the things which happen. Eh? But it's all to your strength. I mean, I, I make the best bed. So, so she doesn't have to do it. 
I think that's the most I can do. <laughs> oh, and change the channel. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're continuing on essentials for a healthy marriage. And one of the things I'm, I'm about to talk about is on money, finance. Finance is one of the biggest causes for divorce. And there are two disastrous aspects when it comes to money. One is mismanagement. The other one is misalignment. So mismanagement can be reckless or what these consultants used to call what irregular spending, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, according to PFMA or whatever you guys use in the <laughs> in consulting world. I mean, this is where the other side will go and buy clothes just to go and visit Lady Chipo or you know some of those things? There are people who do that. I mean, there's Wakanda fever. Everyone wants to buy a new costume. And you haven't paid rent. I mean, that's mismanagement. And many people did that. Eh? <laughs> many people did that. Then there's misalignment, right? Misalignment is we, we both have different, we are from different backgrounds. So some of you grew up in the hood, some of you grew up in the burbs, right? So some of the expectations that your spouse has from the experiences she has had, they are very different from what will be happening in your house. At times, you are still on a journey to get to the place where you can get her whatever she wants. So it's very important when you're still dating, those who haven't yet crossed the line, it's very important... For you to understand your potential spouse's relationship with money. Uh, how they treat money, what their philosophy around money is. Because you don't want a case where it brings frustration in the house. Right? So it's very important to the unmarried ones. Because the moment you marry someone, you don't just take the person. You take their debt as well. You take their surplus as well. So you don't want all these surprises. I mean, uh, from the traditional point of view, uh, the women are not supposed to know, or rather your date, your, your partner is not supposed to know how much you're making. Uh, it's, a, it's a big problem when you now get married and voila, we now have to pay, we now have to pay a credit card. There's a 200,000 rand credit card somewhere. <laughs> We just shows up and it has to be paid. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a joker, you know. When someone is about to close, and then, pah! <laughs> pah! No pick and play, no lucky card. <laughs> and you said, I do. <laughs> so it's very important when you're still dating, know all these things. Transparency is important, right? Don't just think, yeah, because he's a man, everything is under control. I mean, because <laughs> he might have taken five cars before he met you and he's paying for them. You don't know. <laughs> and for the guys, I mean, they come for days looking nice and all, but you really don't know if they're buying all these clothes on credit every time. You're just thinking, ah, you look good, you look good. Then Edgar's statement. It's a big statement on the table. Yeah? <laughs> With a notice period. Yeah? It's red. written in red. 14 days to pay. <laughs> you married that too. Right? So <laughs> it's very important. And <laughs> so some have an abundance mindset. Some have a lake mindset. So if you are dating someone and their mindset is not the same as yours, you could actually reconsider. I mean, we learned last week that the decision on the partner is the second most important after the God you worship. It's tough for you to fix the wrong partner. I mean, you can make a wrong move on a partner. Career is fine. You can quit tomorrow. I mean, you can change jobs. Uh, you can see, okay, this guy is there, there wasting my time. Oh, physics is not so nice after all when you get to work and switch. But with a partner, it's for life. So 
you have to be very, 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 very serious. You can marry Scrooge McDuck. You know the ones who tighten the person? Tighten. And stingy. Eh? You don't want that. And you also want, as a team, I mean, Maruva shared that you're a team. You want, I don't know how they say it in English, but you want someone, I don't know, what is it? Yeah, restraints. Eh? You know, there's one who can come tomorrow with a birthday present, and it's a car. This is teamwork, by the way. We're showing it. Right? Uh, tomorrow I can buy a gift. Oh, no, happy Valentine's. It's a new car with a ribbon. <laughs> Who's paying for that? I mean, those are some of the things you need to consider. Because you're, you're getting in places where you're taking the frustration, you're taking the, the, the stress which is unnecessary for your marriage. So one of the lessons which Marva gave was that triangle. Can you put that triangle there? Where it says, um, for the two of you to get closer together, wife and husband, you actually have to get closer to God. Right? So how do you get closer to God? In the Bible... Lady Chibo even shared today, and in the Bible, you, you find that uh, where your treasure is, I think it's Matthew 6.21, the Bible actually tells you that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So it's very important that as a couple, one of the key fundamentals, after you, you, you both agree that, okay, we are Christian, we are going to go for God, the most important principle you can have is to go for God. Your finances should be tied with God. As you do God's business, he does your business. I mean, if you open John 2 verse 2, it wasn't put there by mistake. It was very, very important. John 2 verse 2, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. We always read this, it's about the wedding at Cana, right? We just read through. You guys love the part where the water was turned into wine, right? But this was a very important addition. It is not by accident. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. <laughs> right? They were invited. They just didn't rock up because his mom was there. They were invited. So, you guys, both of you, you might be Christian, but it's important for you to know that you actually have a proactive role to play in inviting Jesus to your marriage. And once you do that, thank you, thank you. <laughs> once you do that, once you invite him, the next step is on following his instructions. Just because he's there, it doesn't mean you won't get into problems. So Jesus was invited. Like how he's invited into all your lives. But guess what? The wine can run out. Because he's there doesn't mean you won't have problems. But because he is there, that's the game changer. You have invited him. But because he is there in the marriage or at your wedding, well, it goes beyond the wedding. I mean, the wedding is just but an expense at the first. <laughs> okay, I knew wives would not have a good... <laughs> Okay, the wedding is just but the first part of your marriage, right? Not even first. It's probably number five or six. Because before you come to the wedding, there's so many things you have to do. But because he's there, when you run out, he can give an instruction. He always gives you an instruction on what to do. So the, the miracle is not just in the water turning into wine. The miracle is in the obedience, in following his instruction. That is where the miracle of turning the water into wine happened. Imagine pouring water into a bucket and then being told to take that water to give to the MC <laughs> as wine. <laughs> how many of you would have followed that instruction? That's how deep this is. And then it's actually the fine wine. So once you invite Jesus into your marriage, into your finances, the next thing you have to do is to follow his instructions. The Bible is filled with instructions. Lady Chippo shared on some of them. We always share them on Sundays. It's very important that you follow the instruction. So now that you, 
you have you have the you're following the instructions it's important for you to have a vision for your finances this can even be an annual one or a monthly one uh, there's there's uh, Tre pastor trevor always teaches this course annually i don't know wh wh when he'll do it this year for everyone it's for everyone a financial course where he talks about budgeting, saving, and all those things. I think it's a very important course, especially for the unmarried ones, to go and, and listen to what he's saying. And the married ones were facing the same issues. So now you have a vision for your finances. I mean, your vision can be, it depends on your level. It depends where you are. It could be, budgeting, but you leave space for her to do her things and me to do my things, uh, even though her things might probably cost more and it becomes our expense. I mean, because <laughs> 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 uh, you're always reminded, but you're also enjoying this thing. <laughs> right? So have a vision for your family. One of the things about having a wife or women is they have it's is by God, it's supernatural. But they're like incubators. Whatever you feed them, they'll give it back to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together. So if it's seed, you get a child. So I got some revelation regarding money. And the biggest mistake, which is the best mistake, was to share that revelation with my wife. I mean, as the husband, you're the priest of your house. So get revelation. I mean, you should always as you give poems in your family in every week, I mean, you give your wife's poems, right? <laughs> it's common, right? <laughs> but the same way you are particular about being the cheerleader, I think it's also important for you to be the priest of the house. Give a revelation. So you give a revelation, she'll bring it back to you. So you give her this revelation about giving. Uh, yeah. Giving a wife revelation is something else. Because one day you just get there and she's, she's given it. Oh, yeah. yeah, before you say anything, oh, yeah, 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 I also gave the, this one that. You're like, ha. Huh. And then you think, okay, but yeah, that's what I preach as well. So, <laughs> so we have to go with it. But it's important for you as a team, once you have the vision that we are given. Yeah. I mean, if you're kingdom financiers, have that vision. It might be direct as in sense. Some use percentages, some use big numbers, some just have certain things that they've said, our finances are going to partner with A, B, C, D. So that helps on the operations. It's not about who's doing what, but is it aligned to the vision of the house with regards to money? And while we're on it, there's the vision, right? And then the next thing is the operations. One of the key questions, some husbands don't want their wives knowing what has happened. But it's like what Maruva shared, you guys are a team. So it's important you guys sit down and then the one who has the strength in certain things, let them do it. Yeah. If you can't count one to nine, <laughs> don't be trying to add up the bills. Next thing they're coming to take you out of your house. Because you paid 450 instead of 4,500. You don't want to do that. So it's strength as well. Those, the operations, it's in your house, but it's something for you to consider that, you know what, my wife can count much more than me. I'm sure it's common. <laughs> right? So there's some question, questions on this topic, which we got from the admin. Question number one. How should financial decisions be made? Well, I think I was just answering that. First things first, have a vision for your finances. It brings alignment. Remember, misalignment and mismanagement. This brings alignment when you have a vision. So the nitty-gritty is of I gave 200 to this one, 50 to that one. You don't want to be fighting over those things. Is it giving or is it just spending? Those are some of the key things you want to, to be looking at. And then it's important for you to promote accountability as this helps with restraint, as you called it, right? So uh, what I'm talking about is 
you don't want backhand transactions. You know, you know how wives, when their sister is there, she can get into your bedroom and try out clothes, and then maybe some money is passed through the back door. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want to have back door transactions. At times, it's even with your families, with your with your parents. It's best to just be transparent. I mean, your sister can tell me afterwards. Oh, thanks a lot for that money. Money. <laughs> and all this time you were being told there's no money in the house. And then the mother, you, you know how mothers are. Mothers are so loving. So, so, and they don't even see that there's something happening. And they'll thank the son-in-law. <laughs> ah, yeah, you really helped us. It was so tough. And that money, yeah, blah, 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 blah. The guy was just stuck on that money. He's not even listening to the blessing she's pronouncing or what. Thinking, so we had money all this time. <laughs> so there was money. <laughs> so uh, just be accountable. Be transparent. If you guys have, I mean, you can also give each other leeway. I mean, you, you need to understand the different backgrounds that you're from. Uh, so, when you try to tighten the screws, are you tightening for someone who's not from that environment, who's not wired like that? That can also cause offense. So, it's very important. I mean, you just don't tighten to tighten. <laughs> right? So, always consider the other person regarding money. I mean, we know we love to be tough and we say, no, you're getting 650 rand. Full stop. You can't, you can't manage the household finances like that. Have grace. Question two. How do husband and wife effectively communicate about finances, especially supporting each other's parents? Uh, in brackets, there's black text. <laughs> I'll explain black text another day. <laughs> But anyway, I'm sure I'll answer. So, first things first, with regards to that issue, the Bible is clear, it's a command. Honor your parents, and you honor them with substance. So, it's very important, also for the singles, you should also check your partner, your partners, your boyfriend or girlfriend's relationship with their parents. It's important for you to, if that person is not good in that relationship, you're guaranteed they'll give you the same problems later on. If someone cannot honor their parents, what about you? <laughs> so the parents are yours, and you are commanded to honor them with your substance. So there's a, what happens is you're from different backgrounds. At times, the needs in one family, at a particular time, are much more than the needs in another family. I mean, there could be health issues. They could be, uh, their house can be washed away. Because now they're rebuilding a house and they need 80,000 rand, it doesn't mean the 80,000 which goes to that family, I also need to take 80,000 and put it to that family. It doesn't work that way. It's not a fight. You're a team. So when you're looking at family needs, family support, you are seeing what is required to be done, right? You are bringing, uh, you're bridging the families together. So, openness and accountability, the same thing applies to this one. You need to be open about it. You don't want the little sisters telling the, your husband what your wife gave them, thinking they got it from your wife. We also have seen that it actually works as a tool for unity. I mean, the word says your gift will make room for you. So what you find is it's better off if the other side, if your wife takes care of your family's requirements and I take care of her family's requirements. In that way, they don't think I'm just a lazy guy who's eating money from their daughter. I mean, those are things which happen. I mean, if your wife is not supporting the family, they start to think she's stealing, she's eating my money. You, you get it. So use your money 
to bring unity, to build your relationships. It's a good tool. I mean, it's, money is just but a tool. Now, this brings us to my other issue which I'll share. I finally get to it. Can you open Luke 1, verse 18 to 20? So, this is Zacharias. He's in church. He's received a great prophecy. Good tidings, right? And then he says to the angel, how shall I know this? He's been told you have a child. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you, and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which, were which will be fulfilled in their own time. So, something great has happened here. Yeah? I think the same thing still applies to your marriages. Zacharias, the man of the house, it's, it's funny that the man is the one who was made mute. I mean, normally we believe women are the ones who say a lot, right? <laughs> Naturally, I mean. But here is the guy. So to those couples who are sitting next to each other, or <laughs> your other one is here, these, the people called... Uh, they're called assassins, verbal assassins. You know what verbal assassins? Those are nasty people. They will put you down. So even if you have a great prophecy, it can be your own, hus your own husband. He's the same one who's pointing at the weaknesses of his wife, his own weaknesses. The moment you come home and you're saying, yeah, they're about to promote me, and he says, ah. <laughs> can they just be on mute? How? <laughs> Your own husband. So it's very important. Communication is one of the key things in the house. So verbal assassins, verbal assassins, whether you're sitting with one or you are one, it's important that in marriage, to those who are not yet married, you have a chance. You identify these people long before. You don't want to be married to a verbal assassin. Make a decision. I mean, someone who doesn't support you, someone who's just there to put you down. Mute. Cut them off. Cut them off. Cut them off. It's very important. I mean, there are so many prophecies which we block ourselves by our mouths. Our words are powerful. They are very powerful. They create. You choose life or death. You speak it. And here we have a man. It's shocking, but I mean, <laughs> and it's the guy. So you actually see that this happens a lot. And it's, it's not about the number of words you're saying. It can be just one word, which is killing your wife, killing your relationship. So verbal assassins, even though it sounds as if it's being just sarcastic, you're just one of those sarcastic guys, just be on mute. If you have nothing to say, Nothing positive to say. Don't say anything. Mute, mute, mute. Right? So communication is just not about the number of words. It's also not just about the words you say. It's how you say them. I mean, you can tell me to keep quiet and throw a cell phone at my face at the same time. And ha! How am I going to listen to what you're going to say when you're already attacking me? So, you're laughing, eh? <laughs> No, she's never hit me. <laughs> she's never hit. She, she will never do that. <laughs> so, verbal assassins, uh, can you open Romans 3, verse 13 to 14? Uh, you know, the Bible already defined these people. Their throat is an open... Oh, good, 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 good. Arba, can you read this one? Can you read this one? Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Ooh. 
Go to 14. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Oh. And this is happening in households. The person you sleep with can be that person. You know, someone just speaks death. Death, death, death. The moment you say, yeah, I want to lose weight. <laughs> How? <laughs> Why do you have to say it? <laughs> Why? 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 If you want your marriage to be healthy, please, 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 just put yourself on mute. We don't need Angel Gabriel. You should practice it yourself. Mute. 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 I want to go to school. Ah, but you failed. Oh, level. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, people, this is where marriage is. And it's, at times it's so subtle. It's just one thing, just one thing, just a reminder, you know? You know someone who just reminds you, but, but you failed high jump. So, so, so what does this have to do with my dreams? I mean, it's important, communication. But please, <laughs> verbal assassins, verbal assassins. So it's communicating between the two of you, right? There's also communicating with third parties. So communicating with third parties, even family, right? Let's say family. Your family does not have the same relationship you have with your spouse. So if I do something, she runs and tells, uh, well, now we have an, another in-law. Okay, I was, I was going to preach we have an in-law. So, <laughs> so, like the first service, we have another one. <laughs> so, let's say we have a fight. If she runs and tells her family, right? Like what most men do. They're still courting you, but they're telling you, every time they're telling you stories like, ah, you know, the family just wants me to pay for everything. Now I have to pay for my brother's school fees and they want me to go and pay money for the hospital bills. This is your wife. She's listening. I told you about wives, right? They listen. When she gets married to you, right, you take her home with. She sees Trevor, the young brother, <laughs> the one who always wants money. What do you think she, how will she treat them? And many men think, I ah, know the women, they just hate relatives. No. They have a picture which you have given them. So the same thing applies to your wife or your spouse telling her family about your issues. So if we fight today, tomorrow we are fine. We're cool. But guess what? Your family will only think about that guy. That, that guy. You know, they're not cool with you. They're just thinking this guy, but why? Every time they see you, they just see, ah, but this guy, you know, you... <laughs> And you have actually destroyed, because they don't have the same relationship you have. So even on reporting issues around marital issues you want to fix, with your family, they don't have the same relationship. Even when you were wrong, because remember, you won't go and tell them, no, you know what, that day, I was the one who was actually wrong. You just keep quiet and continue, and then you bring this guy along. That failure. You know the one they're hating so much? <sighs> but this guy... This guy, he's trying all he can, but they can't see past what you have told them. So it's very important for you to watch what you tell your people. And then there's another one. This is family, right? But there's an issue around communication, but it's on trust. Do you know that the people you trust in certain areas actually trust other people you will never trust? So, so someone you'd never tell, if you're looking, you go around searching, and you look at Pastor Tate, and you're like, I'll never tell him anything. And then you come here, and you think, okay, Henry is the comfortable. I mean, I watch soccer with him, so I should also be able to trust him with my marital issues. So that's what people do. They feel comfortable in one area and think everything. Now, I can. this is my new best friend. Oh, those people at work, you, you drink coffee with, they're good with you. You can trust them when you're talking about your boss. But they're not fertile ground for you to be talking about your marriage. So now I go to Henry, and then I start telling her what she's doing. Guess what Henry would do? He might actually trust Tate. 
And then he goes and tells, and you tell him, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> guess what you, he would tell him? You tell him, don't tell anyone. <laughs> These guys, they're actually fighting. Nowadays, there's nothing, nothing, nothing in their house. So, I mean, <laughs> now, now they're just looking, you know, every time they switch on the TV, they're counting down. That the TV will be collected anytime. And it's, and, and, and the problem is, you actually think that the person you're trusting will not be trusting someone you don't trust, who will then take it back to us. And the only person I told was, Henry. <laughs> so it's very important for you to understand that because you trust someone in one area, you can go out together, you can have drinks together, you can watch, support the same team. It doesn't mean you trust them with everything. Especially matters relating to the two of you. So the person you trust, trust someone you would never trust. <laughs> Is it a good word? Now you're thinking of what you told her. <laughs> what you told her in the kitchen. <laughs> okay, okay, she's just reminded me of time. I thought they have more words, but anyway. So I'll go to the questions now, right? There's a question here. What do you do when you come back from work and the wife wants to speak, but you're tired? Do you, do you tell her you don't want to talk? Question. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, hey, this is a tough one, but I'll try. Right? I'll try. One of the key issues we need to know. For some, they've been unfortunate enough. They went into marriage without the course, which we're talking about. But for you guys who are not yet married, you actually have a chance. This stuff is now being shared. One of the key issues you should understand is there are differences between the genders. I mean, before I address this one, the seat is it supposed to be up or down. You see now. These are the fights which first week, first week people are calling, ah, he won't even put the seat down. But I want it up. <laughs> so there are so, some of these differences. They are actually big fights. Uh, to the single ones, they're thinking, what are these guys talking about? You know. First week, first week, it becomes a fight. Right? But you should always understand there are differences between the genders. So, Scientists call something uh, gender word counts. They say women generally speak in paragraphs and men speak in points. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think there's a word allocation. Like, like what? Is it like 20,000 to 1,000 per day? I mean, <laughs> so, so they speak in detail. I mean, those who have wives or girlfriends at least, you know, she will tell you about how the wee, how, how the wind was blowing the, the leaves, uh, the, the, the bird which was there, and the car, and the dress she was wearing. Another person, she's talking about another story. And you are, you are trying to listen and you're thinking. And it's a long story. I mean, it's about a person who falls at work. <laughs> the guy fell. But now, hey... <laughs> You have to be told, oh, yeah, so she was wearing this floral dress. And, and, and uh, okay, the guy fell. That's how we would have told the story. If we actually got to tell the story. But those are some of the differences which are very important that you know. They speak in detail, right? We, we summarize. And research actually shows that talking is related to stress. Right? We've been talk to distress men men stress by talking so 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 and this is proven right i mean you just want to watch a game where you're not saying anything you just want to be there and sitting and but you're supposed to answer back and you, you stressful it's, it's different. I mean, 
the stress, you get stressed by talking, just by talking. <laughs> so, so it's very important, right, that you guys understand this. I'm still going to answer that question, whoever asked the question. We're still getting there, but I'm sure I'm answering it, right? So, what this means is, it's called gender communication differential. So, what it means is, for some of you guys, the majority were unfortunate enough, your wife has to work somewhere else. It means you are bonding, you're actually connecting with strangers all day long. Because you talk more with strangers. You're at work, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking. Yeah, first the game, then work, then, and then you get home and the one person who's important, you can't talk to them. That's the unfortunate thing which is happening in so many households. So for women, they talk, they, they love connecting, right? So for them, connecting is more important, so they'll talk. So if you put them in a room, all you hear is what? They're talking. It's not in a bad way. It's not in a bad way, right? <laughs> Women love connection. And they do it through talking. Men love bonding. Bonding is, can be through an activity. You just have to be there. You support Manchester. I support Manchester. We're bond by watching a game. And not say a word. I don't even have to know if he has paid rent or not. <laughs> I, I don't even. But you know what? When you ask me who my friends are, it's this guy I sit with. <laughs> and we're not saying anything because we are bonding. Right? We men prefer bonding. Women prefer connection. Right? <laughs> so this is where this question is coming from. Uh, how do you tell her? Well, I think the most important thing you can do now that you all know, is to use your allocation wisely. So, <laughs> you get to work, call her. Use some of those words. Just be connected. Because she wants to know what's happening in your day. You don't want to start 8 o'clock at, at 4 o'clock. I mean, you get home at 6, you sit down, how was your day? My day was fine. You, uh, what? <laughs> You should tell how you made the coffee and then from the coffee and then Stephanie came in and Stephanie was talking about oh and what, 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 what and Stephanie lost the ring and okay, the guy was already lost already but I mean <laughs> so prioritize your allocation for the number one person in your life so you can call or if you're bold enough, start a business with her. So every day she can be talking to you. Now she has no fresh use to tell me. Because <laughs> yeah. every day I'm there. And <laughs> it's, it's not, ah, have you heard this one? Have you heard this one? I was there. So, so I mean, <laughs> so, so it's very important. It's very important, right? It's very important on the allocation. And then, so this was the guy. So you have to be tough about it. Try and call it throughout the day. If you can't call it throughout the day, be tough. Yeah, it's life. I mean, you chose it. You chose it. You can't just be in the house and you're building walls. You're saying, no, I just want peace and quiet. So you have to, you have to be tough. You have to talk. I mean, it's like a builder. There's also people who do manual work, do they get home and not do anything when it's required to be done? And say, no, because I was working all day. Yeah, we were all working all day. So be tough. But try those strategies. Prioritize your wife. Speak to them during the day. They want to, they want to connect. And to women, please also understand us. Please. Understand your partner. <laughs> they don't need their eyes to hear, to listen to you. <laughs> when Ronaldo is about to take a penalty. But I, I mean, I mean, okay, this is just me. <laughs> it's Champions League night and <laughs> you want, it's a penalty. The, before the penalty, you're not listening. <laughs> okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Now you have to be in the kitchen. Okay, you can, you can, uh, we, 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 we can hear. Even if we are away. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> I tried as best as I could to, to answer that one. Okay. <laughs> because we are out of time, we have to stand up. Uh, there will be more next week. Uh, I think it's Pastor T and Lady Chipo are taking it home. Second Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by and not by sight.